as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll need a guide, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Wherever you are listening to the Schmidt Show, good time of the day. On the phone with me now is a gentleman by the name of David Barton. David is a professional historian and uh, probably one of the, the sharpest guys I've ever had the pleasure of uh, of talking to. I first saw his stuff on a series I think I saw on Amazon Prime. Uh, and I've also seen his stuff. He's done a couple of interviews uh, with Steven Crowder and many, many others. So, Dr. Barton, is it Dr. Barton or, or Mr. Barton? Man, it's whatever you want to do, Brad. I know all of them. <laughs> you, do, you do have a doctorate, though, in, in, in American history, right? Not in American history, in American letters. Oh, okay. So okay. got got several honorary and others as well. So, okay. yeah, well, just go with Dave. It's great with me. <laughs> well, on the phone with me then is David Barton, uh, professional historian and uh, speaker, podcaster, all sorts of stuff. Uh, David, I want to start with this. Our, our local city council here a few months back changed their – uh, observance of Columbus Day to this Indigenous Peoples Day. So if we could start with where did this kind of this Indigenous Peoples Movement come from and what's the history behind it and how did we get to a point where we're switching from celebrating the atrocities of one man to the atrocities of uh, groups of people? Yeah, kind of the history goes back to a, a book that became popular around 1980, Howard's in The History of the American People. He called it a bottom-up history. And at that point, he said his starting premise is that the history of America is the history of whites enslaving and abusing Native Americans. And so the history book for all of American history, he wrote from that perspective. That was his starting place. Didn't necessarily provide evidence didn't do anything except, no, here's my starting place. I'm telling you my bias. This is what it is. So about that same time, you'll find that it took off across America. They, they started having conferences on, on Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, by the time you get really to about 1990, 10 years after this, um, you find this, this there was this big conference. Well, let me say it this way. They were leading up to 1992, the 500-year anniversary of Columbus. And so starting about 1990, they said, look, we've got to really turn the direction of Columbus. So starting in 90, they, they started talking about how to prepare for this this 500th anniversary. And so in 1992, a lot, lot of nationwide protests, uh, and Berkeley came out with what is called the Day of Solidarity with Indigenous People. And so that became the year of the indigenous people. And Berkeley, you know, there were some schools before that, but Berkeley's kind of the one that really popularized it. And so since then, you have hundreds of towns that did exactly what you guys did there. Um, you have three states that have now moved that direction, New Mexico, Vermont, and Maine, have I've said Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, so Columbus has become, in the last, let's say, 30 years, has gone from being what was considered for 500 years to be a noteworthy individual worthy of study, who did some amazing things. And by the way, no way to say that he was perfect because there's no way to say that any human is perfect. He made mistakes, plenty of them. 
Uh, you judge that within the context of his times, not our times. And so you look at where he was compared to others, what he did as an Italian compared to particularly what the Spanish did, which was very different. Um, but nonetheless, he was not a perfect individual, but yet he was worthy of, of study and honor for 500 years. And now it's hard to find any any person from American history more despised and more looked down on and, and more, you know, abhorred than Columbus is. So that's a pretty fast turnaround from 500 years of recorded history to now in, in 30 years he's become the worst guy that, that lived in, in the history of North America, essentially. Well, and that was one of the things that I, the, the arguments that I've made over the past several months and, and even in the past is that certainly Christopher Columbus had had his issues, as did any human. And I, and I even made the argument that really there's only been one man in all of human history that isn't sullied with some sort of scandal or atrocity or, or evil or immorality or whatever. And of course, that being Jesus. And regardless of who what you believe about Jesus, like he's the only historical figure to not be sullied by this. So where did this where did this this desire to to take away all of the great things that he did as an explorer and simply focus on the evil things that he did throughout his his lifetime? Well, we've had about 40 years of I hate America uh, essentially and I hate anything that was American, I hate anything that was great. So Columbus is one. Uh, George Washington, other founding fathers, others. And again, they're not perfect, but my gosh, when you compare them to their times and how far they were ahead of, of the rest of the world, um, pretty amazing stuff. Um, even as you look in what came out in the AP History Standards in September of 2014, revised in September of 2015, as students and AP History students, that's essentially the last history course they take, high school or college, about 460,000 kids a year. These are the sharpest history kids. Uh, sharpest kids in the subject of history. And what you find is when you get to World War II, of all the nations involved in World War II, and particularly the, the primary nations of America and of Japan and of Germany, America is the one who has the most problems. And it talks about how that World War II raised questions about American values. And in the standards in 2014, standards, they do not mention Hitler. They do not mention the Holocaust. They do not mention any of the stuff that went on. They talk about how bad America was. And so, I mean, I, I give you all sorts of history books. One of the things we have is we own about 120,000 documents from before 1812. So I have tons of original documents. Uh, since 1812, that, that period, we have tons of documents as well. We have history books that go for the first history book in America published 1690, got it all the way to current. And you find that for so long we taught American history so differently than what we've done in the last 30 to 40 years. So basically we have the tone of, uh, of I hate history and I hate America and anything I can do to, to present America is bad, I will. And so as a consequence, we now have all these guys writing about Columbus. And nobody's reading his journals anymore. Mm. And, and Columbus, like many in his day, he recorded tons of stuff. And when you go back and read, and by the way, the guys on the voyage with him also recorded stuff, and priests that went with him recorded stuff. And there's all sorts of records, including what other explorers found, and we're not going to look at that, and we're not going to see what was going on with Columbus, and we're not going to talk about the fact that, for example, Indigenous Peoples Day, my question would be, okay, which Indigenous Peoples are we celebrating? Right. Uh, are, are we celebrating uh, the 562 tribes we have today? Uh, many of which, you know, you had even more back then, but 
Uh, we celebrated, for example, I'm from Texas, so we celebrated the uh, Lipan Apache and the Karakawas and, and the Takawas, all of whom were cannibalistic people. Is, is that what our celebration is over? And so Columbus is a bad guy, and we have enough. And by the way, among Native American tribes, that's a very common practice. It's easier to find uh, evidence. Uh, it, let me say it, it's harder to find evidence that a tribe was not involved in cannibalism than that it was. Uh, and so as you look, even at the time that Columbus landed here in the Western world, uh, University of Texas scholars estimate that somewhere between 20 to 40 percent of Native Americans were being held as slaves by other Native Americans. Now, that's before Columbus got here. And so he didn't bring slavery. That was already going on. And by the way, at the time of the Civil War in 1860, the U.S. Census Bureau records that blacks, uh, excuse me, that, that Native Americans held a higher percentage of black slaves than did whites. Mm. So that's in 1860. So slavery was a big deal for all those years. Columbus didn't start that. So we're vilifying him and totally not looking at history that does exist. Uh, and, and that's a real problem because history today should be after truth. We should look at the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly. Columbus was not perfect, nor was any Native American tribe. There were practices Columbus saw. Um, when you read his journals, people forget that he made four voyages. And, and what's the difference with the voyages? You know, voyage number one, he kind of lands a new world and discovers the, this area. He meets a, a native tribe called the Taino people. And he writes how that these are the kindest and gentlest people he's ever met. Hmm. He tells the king and queen, these have got to be citizens. They get equal rights. You give them the same protection you give every other citizen. These are great people. But the Tainos tell him about a tribe called the Canib, or the Carib, both names. Carib's where we get Caribbean, and Canib's where we get cannibals. And talk, the, the, the Taino tribe talked about what this people did to eat the Tainos. And Columbus kind of like blows it off. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's exaggerated. So he goes back home for his second voyage, and he leaves his guy, a lot of his guys behind to build a fort and, and be there. When he comes back on the second voyage, he finds they've all been killed and they've been eaten. And so he goes looking for this this cannibalistic tribe, and as he gets and, and finds this cannibalistic tribe on a different island, it's interesting to see what his guys with him, not Columbus, but what the guys with him actually said about, about what they found. Um, and, and here's one of the one of the quotes. It says, uh, "When the Caribbees take any boys as prisoners of war, they remove their organs." fatten the boys until they grow into manhood, and then, when they wish to make a great feast, they kill and eat them. For they say the flesh of boys and women is not good to eat. Um, the, these boys have these, excuse me, three boys thus mutilated came fleeing to us when we visited the home. So they're wanting to be saved. And it talks about how they went into the village and they found 50 huts. And in the 50 huts, there were nothing but women in the huts. And when they talked to the women, they, the women told them, that they were there to produce babies for the, the Carib people, and that when the babies are born, that they eat them, they have feasts, and it talked about just the cannibalism. Mm. And so Columbus is going, oh, my gosh. And mm. so these people kill his guys, they come after him, and he kills these cannibals. Right. And that's where we get the slaughter of the indigenous peoples. Mm. Now, wait a minute. He did not slaughter the Tainos. He slaughtered those who killed and ate his guys and who were killing and eating his friends and who right. came after him. And, well, he enslaved them. Mm, the ones he didn't kill, he took some of them back to the king and queen to say, can you believe these guys are cannibals? This is unbelievable. Here's an example. 
And so there were some that went back. Now, he also took other other Indians back with him who asked to go. And some mm-hmm. of them were made part of the royal court. We don't get that part of the story. Right. So what we get is we hear about the, the Carib or Canib people and not the Taino people. And, and now he is this abominable, genocidal maniac who's out to exterminate all Native Americans. Not so. That's yeah. not the records. Are, and not just Columbus's records, but those of the guys with him on the voyage. Now, some of the history of this, it, it, like I said, it gets lost and, and we forget about it and we focus on the bad stuff and, and, and ignore the good stuff. When did that begin to happen? Because you said you've got all these documents and, and the, you know, the history books prior to um, this 1980-ish time frame. When, was it that recent that this shift began or did it happen earlier than that? Well, it really – I mean, it's happened across all periods of time. As a matter of fact, I was looking today at an Abraham Lincoln letter we just found from uh, 1862 where he's writing in this this letter. He's talking about fake news, and he says, I'm just seeing in the newspapers in New York that I issued a proclamation, goes through it, and he says, I've issued no proclamation. I have no proclamations issued in November, which is what the newspaper is talking about. And he goes on how that that's all made up. And, and New York was a very anti-Abraham Lincoln place. They hated him. Uh, they were pro-slavery, but they did not think that the nation should secede or, or split over it. So he's talking about fake news. And I go back before that, and during the American Revolution, we have a piece from 1777 put out by New York newspapers And in those newspapers, it has letters from George Washington to his friends. And in those letters, it's got George saying, I really don't think we did the right thing by separating from Great Britain. Um, This is an immoral thing that we did. God's not going to bless this. We made a mistake. Except George Washington never said any of that. Mm. It was made up by the journalists to discourage Americans from joining the side of independence. And so you've always had people who did not tell the truth, but it was always driven by an agenda. If you have no agenda, you tell the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. So what you find is that this kind of this kind of history is agenda-driven, and, and again, it's, it's designed to make America look bad. And yes, America has warts on its nose, but I would argue we have less warts than any other nation in the history of the world, right. and we've done more good than other nations. And by the way, just to point out one little fact, the average length of a constitution in the history of the world is 17 years. We've been 232 years under our Constitution. Under the same Constitution, yeah. It's pretty amazing. That, you know, I think it's pretty cool to have stability and not be like the rest of the world, new Constitution every 17 years, but we're not going to mention that. We're going to talk about how bad Columbus was. So instead of pointing that, and the other thing that happens is truth is not the objective anymore. Mm. Uh, we are now at the point that polling last year said two out of three Americans believe there is no absolute truth. And so if truth is not the objective, then the end justifies the means. I want my side to win, and I'll say whatever I need to to help my side win. And when we had a love of the truth, even if you disagreed with it, you still respected it. And we're just not quite at that point today. Hopefully we'll get back there. But that's what drives things like this indigenous people state. Not that we shouldn't have that. That's fine. Celebrate indigenous people. But to say that Columbus is a genocidal maniac and enslaved and raped and mutilated all these, no, no, no. No, no, that's that's not true in history. Is there is there a is there a place for us to when we start looking at history and and looking at the you know like say the indigenous people or whatever do we say hey you know what instead of you know instead of co opting Columbus Day should we you know whatever the day after Thanksgiving or you know the first Tuesday in April or what I mean pick a day doesn't really matter is is there a place to to have an Indigenous Peoples Day? You know, and there is, but I, I have a 
I have a different philosophy toward that. Okay. I believe that you honor anyone who did something significant that's praiseworthy for anyone else to emulate. And I don't think that comes from a group. I think mm. that comes from individuals. Uh, so I don't think you just honor groups because they're a group. You honor individuals because they did something significant. Uh-huh. So I will, I will honor Squanto. I will honor Pocahontas. I will honor the, T- the Tuscaroras who fought with George Washington in the American Revolution. I'll, I'll honor all these people, but not as groups because mm. of individuals and what they did. Yeah. So I don't think that just being a group suddenly w- warrants you being celebrated um, because that divides us into groups. I-, I think you celebrate character. I think you celebrate work. I think you celebrate great achievement. Um, I mean, I'm a white guy, clearly, but I do so much black history because I know so many more black heroes and what they did. For example, the American Revolution. You know, Wentworth Cheswell, who's heard of him? First black elected in America, 1768, reelected 49 years. Who's heard of Jack Sisson? Probably the first black SEAL team member, actually an original SEAL team member back in 1777. First black one. Amazing stuff. Or James Armistead, black guy who ended the American Revolution, according to Washington Lafayette. He did more to, to cause Cornwallis to be the Why don't we talk about these guys? You know, well, and Why does the color of their skin matter? Let's talk about them because they're great individuals. Wasn't one of George Washington's, I mean, we're kind of off the, the subject of Columbus, but wasn't one of George Washington's, one of his close confidants and, and uh, secretaries a, a, a black man? There are several. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, Primus is a guy who spent a lot of time with Washington. In the picture of Washington crossing the Delaware, you'll see Prince Whipple, who was there with Washington throughout the American Revolution, there served with the general staff and others. I mean, there, there's just a lot of guys you can point to. Uh, and, 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 and part of this, quite frankly, by the way, goes to a, a history book that was written in 1901 by Woodrow Wilson called The History of the American People. In that book, and it was it was considered by academics to be this great history book. As a matter of fact, it's why he was invited to be the president of Princeton University the next year. He's a hardcore racist. I mean, mm-hmm. he, based on his history book is where they came out with a Klan recruiting film called Birth of a Nation, which he showed at the White House as president. Mm-hmm. But he's a hardcore racist, and he just flat took black people out of history. I mean, this is why today when we study Black History Month, we're, we're going to get Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington, and that's about it, because mm. he just took all of them out. And so, I mean, he had a he, he created a seismic landscape shift in the way we taught racial history in America, because he was so racist, he didn't want that group having any part of American history. And, and by the way, if you look in his history book, you'll also find that he does. If you've never seen a black before, he shows you an image of one. It looks just like a monkey, and uh, that's his racism coming through. And and so you know that's what I object to. Is, right. No, no, no. It's not groups. You, you don't do groups. George Washington. You see individuals, and there's so many black individuals we can point to. But that's not the way we look at history today. But it should be, I think. I, I think you look at the individual and what they contributed. If they're great, celebrate them. How how is it as a as a historian and the work that you do with your organization with wall builders and and all that? How do you how do you I guess how do you deal with that? Because it's got to be frustrating to to dig through this stuff to see it on TV to see you know movies and things created and and all sorts of media created around some of these historical moments and you go God, everything in that is entirely incorrect. It's got to be frustrating. Well, it is, but you also realize that, that people are the result of what they know and what they've been taught. Mm. And nobody goes into school thinking, my teachers are going to deceive me. They're not going to – I mean, the teachers in so many ways do not know and, and, and do not teach. 
um, I, I've been chosen in a lot of states to help write the social studies and, and government standards in those states. And I remember being a very conservative red state, and as a teacher, we're talking, we're going through standards and what we're going to include. And they said, oh, let's, let's make sure we include McCarthyism. It's great, you know, include that. And by the way, let's include the Venona Papers. Banana mm, papers. Yeah. What's that? Yep. Well, the banana papers. That's what the Soviets released to show all the spies that were in D.C. That McCarthy, while he had bad character and treated witnesses abominably, he was not on a witch hunt because right. there were actual spies. And they said, "Well, we've never heard of the banana papers. We don't want to teach that." I said, oh, "Okay." So because you've never heard of it, you're going to make sure the kids don't know about it, right? Even though it's an actual part of it. And that's the problem we face: is well, I don't know that. And I don't want to learn something new. No, no, no. You need to be you need to be hungry for knowledge. You need to be hungry for truth, especially. And if it contradicts what you've been told, man, learn to learn to accept the truth and embrace it and follow truth. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. So uh, let's we're running out of time here. So let's let's just do a quick give me a plug for your organization. Uh, talk about Wall Builders a little bit and and what it is that you do. And if people are interested in this kind of history, where they can find it. Yeah, uh, Wall Builders. Uh, we, we take that book from the Bible name. Bible book of Nehemiah, it's a concept of rebuilding things that have been torn down. And so we look at history and constitution, things like that, said, man, we're nowhere close to where we used to be. So on our website, wallbuilders.com, we've got a ton of information about Columbus, what actually happened, the journals from back then. And we do that with so many issues. So if people are interested in a truthful portrayal of history, that's what we did at the website. We've got lots of books and materials available as well. Okay, and you you also have a podcast. What's your what's the name of your podcast if people are looking for that? It's called Wall Builders Live. Wall Builders Live. So, Mr. Barton, thank you so much for your time and, and your willingness to, to talk with us. I, I wish I could talk with you for the next three hours, but um, I know you've got things to do and I do too. But um, let's let's get together and do this again sometime soon. Look forward to it, Brad. Thanks for what you do, bro. 